Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to Ruler Rouge Podcast. Uh, sorry we missed last week. We're busy, so I'm not really that sorry at all. Um, I'm your host, The Trunk. I should probably grow up and start introducing myself by my actual name, but mm, I don't really want to. Um, I'm joined this week by Mr. Raj Baines. Hello, Raji Baines. Hello. Um, we've tried to get you to grow up several times, but it's not been successful. Uh, it's, it's- Fruitless, mate. Fruitless. Um, also joining us this week is a very special guest, friend of the show, long-time listener, long-time lover, uh, Mr. Rob Brown. How are you doing, Rob? Hello. I'm all right. How are you guys? Very good. I feel like I should have my air horn sound effect to introduce you on, like, Westwood style but I don't. Yeah, what happened to that? Where's it gone? Raj got me. He, get, he gets funny. He sent me a, aggressive whatsapp messages about it and stuff and how can you, you know. be called Ted trunk and not have an air horn sound well i kind of feel like my voice and stuff is pretty loud and it's a abrasive fog, as it is. fog on uh, of its own isn't it yeah it's my, <laughs> my, my dad always calls me a fog on so you know um so i don't really know how i should take that maybe be quieter i guess maybe i don't know um how, how have you been Rob? anyway you've been uh you've been impregnating more people across the globe haven't you yeah, spreading the seed tactics yeah. nerd far and wide yeah well he, d- um, he doesn't deny it anymore Raj at least oh so. yeah what's the point yeah um, <laughs> I've been alright yeah I was in Ecuador for most of the last year if anyone doesn't know um, so yeah if just to explain why he's talking about me spreading my seed far and wide um, <laughs> yeah it was okay uh, very interesting as you'd expect uh, glad to be back which I didn't expect, but yeah. Um, they all uh, they all think Messi's shite out there, don't they? They do. This is this is something that I was not prepared for. Um, of all the things that you're not really ready for when you move to another country, one of the things is that yeah, there are people who might not think Messi's great, which is weird. Like you can put up with the casual racism. Well, I thought you can put up with it. You know, you know it's coming. You get the casual racism. You get the distrust of science which is just weird the what? especially because like distrust of science like there's a lot of people who don't believe in evolution which is just uh. bollocks considering like the, the Galapagos is part of Ecuador and it's like the proof is within your borders like the reason that the theory of evolution was written was because some guy went to Ecuador and did a study and you don't believe it which just <laughs> blows my mind and, like, I got offered a copy of Mein Kampf at a bookstore because they saw that I was white and thought, you must want this, and just brought over a... Well, I think they probably saw your Twitter feed first before they offered you it. Yeah. Oh, you, bastard, you little bitch. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the guy said it was the latest edition, which makes me wonder what Hitler could possibly have added to it. They've started reselling it in Germany now, though, so it might have been a, an updated version. Oh, maybe that was it. But yeah, this this kid saw me browsing and asked me what I wanted, and I said, I'm just browsing. And he said, I know what you want, and disappeared for a while, and then came back with what he said was the latest edition of Mein Kampf. I th- thrust it into my hands. I suppose the swastika t-shirt helped as well, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, so. that was it, yeah. The Trump cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you voting Trump 2K16, Rob? Um, I'm, yeah, he's, he's not right-wing enough for me. No? That's no. no he, he doesn't take it far enough, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, but yeah, so, sorry, we were what, saying they, they think Messi's Messi, shy. They think Messi's shit, yeah. They, I was told he's just speed, like that's all it is. If, if he wasn't able to run fast, then he wouldn't be any good at football. And uh, I didn't know what to say to that, really, because, like, where do you begin? There are so many problems with that. Just say, oh, I don't know. You're just so wrong. You know, you'd think someone who spends as much of their time arguing as me would have like a, a better approach to this kind of question, but it's just so stupid. If you don't think Messi's good, then there's some kind of terrible problem which can't be addressed no matter what's put in front of you. Yeah, there isn't really an excuse to that. Yeah, no matter how much evidence there is, they're going to say something stupid. What's the uh, Ecuadorian sort of... Um impression of Tottenham like if there even is one do they, do they know we exist they, no, they, not that I saw um, disgustingly the most popular team is Chelsea which is even weirder considering like Man United have had Antonio Valencia for the best part of a decade now um, and I get the feeling that Man United were popular for a few years because of him but for some reason which I never got to the bottom of Chelsea are by far the most popular English team I think I saw one Liverpool shirt in the entire time I was there, which was actually quite nice, because, you know, who wants to spend their life looking at Liverpool shirts? Um, but, yeah, I didn't see anything to do with Tottenham. I don't think anyone knows who Tottenham are. It's a bit weird, because the Premier League with the prides best itself as, like, a, a global brand. And, obviously, Tottenham are the best team in the world, and they've got the best striker in the world and the best keeper in the world mm-hmm. and the best centre-back defensive partnership in the world. So mm. how, how they don't know about Tottenham is a bit beyond me. But, yeah, it's only really... They know of Man United and Chelsea, and that's about it. I can get Chaz and Dave to do a tour or some something like that. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe Morrissey played while I was there, so maybe that's why they know Man United. Do they? Yeah, M- Morrissey played and Kiss played, and my my students thought it was the coolest thing in the world that Kiss were playing, <laughs> and they, they wanted to know why I wasn't going, and I said you couldn't pay me enough <laughs> to tolerate one minute of that. Um, you didn't fancy the whole like cod pieces firing rockets out and oh, all that God. kind of stuff. I mean, like, for like a few days, there were just p- loads of people walking around the streets with like Kiss face makeup on. It's like, what oh, are you all Jesus doing? Christ. It's not 1975. You need to sort of get. You out were in days. South America, so it probably was 1975. Yeah, this is true. They are. I don't, without being like all a bit British and the rest of the world is way behind us, etc., it's a bit of a. It is like going in a time machine. Some of the stuff you hear about race and sexuality and identity and stuff, it's like, are you serious? You can't possibly think that. There's a big thing because the government in the last few years has been all about making, uh, bringing it in line with the rest of the world where, like, you know, the traditional values of religion and stuff take a backseat to tolerance and all the rest of it. 
and there's a sort of a, can we really accept men holding hands in the streets stuff? And it's like, oh, just, just fucking get over you know, it. Move on. You know, when you go to India, men holding hands in the street is a really popular thing, but it's one of the most homophobic countries in the world. It's seen as like a real masculine thing to do is to walk down the street holding hands. So like, I heard that's the same in parts of Africa as well. Like, it's just a friendship thing. Yeah, but... Then they don't understand how gay they look while they do it, <laughs> and like you, yeah. you, you know, a liberal person like you walking down the street and you sort of, you see two men holding hands, and then you realise that both of them will denounce sort of homosexuality within the drop of a hat, and you sort of go, "Come on, lads, yeah. let me take a picture of you and show you what you look like now." And uh, yeah. it's just, it's a real brilliant irony, and always puts a smile on my face whenever I go there. Because I mean, yeah. people have tried to do it to me when we go over there, and it's like just complete strangers try to grab your hand. It's like. You know, I'm extremely yeah. comfortable with myself, mate, but I, I don't know you well enough to be holding your hand down the street. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I always find it quite strange that they um, they have that attitude towards things and yeah. <laughs> they're happy to, to hold each other's hands to sort of show how manly they are. It's uh, it's very yeah. strange. I suppose it's like we, we just uh, play rugby to show how manly we are over here, don't we? Yeah, really? like sticking your head between a guy's thighs and stuff. Totally. <laughs> Totally manly. He's not going to buy it. He's not going to buy it. You're on about the wrong rugby, though. You you two have got this. Uh, you two have got union in your heads, and the league's a bit different than that. It's a bit different, is it? Yeah. It's more manly. Uh, it's not more manly. Game. It's just there's less. Um, the scrum isn't as um, as combative as it is in union. Right. So there's a. Uh, it's not as sort of bigger mushing of bodies. I played union, so I've done it myself. Um yeah. and you know, the pressure on your neck isn't isn't something that I'm sure um lends itself to the, the picture you're wanting to paint. But um <laughs> it's uh, it's not my favourite spot in the world, no. Um you expressed that beautifully, Raj. Yeah, I, I try to. I try to do my best. Um do, do you have any do you have any other embarrassing football stories at all, Rob? Have you tried to play the South Americans again to have your technical inefficiencies? Oh, this time was a bit different. In Argentina, it was like getting your pants pulled down for 90 minutes or however long you played for. It was just, I don't know. The first time I played in Argentina, I was told that uh, no one on the teams had played before like with a team and they had no ability and it was going to be a really low-key game. And, uh, yeah, I would just spent an hour chasing shadows and like everyone had no like physical or tactical level but they were all like Maradona dribbling and it was absurd um, but in Ecuador like they're completely fucking brainless and shit and it was rubbish more or less there just could you can't get a good game anywhere there's a park in the middle of Quito where everyone goes on a Sunday to have a kick around so there's always a game going, but where whoever you play with is shit and cheats a lot, and it's just infuriating. So we stopped. Well, we had—I say we stopped. We had a, the occasional break where we wouldn't go down and play, and then we'd get bored and have to play football again. So you'd go find a game, and just within a, an hour or so, you'd want to kill the entire world. Not not fun. I don't recommend playing football there unless you're uh, unless you enjoy people who can't play football trying to cheat against you all the time. Are you are you quite? Decent though, like you know, don't don't worry about sounding arrogant. No, not, no, I wouldn't say I was decent. Um, I just don't. Well, I, I don't do stupid shit. Like I've got a fairly decent first touch and understanding of positioning and stuff, as you'd expect for me who talks about tactics and shit all the time. Um, so I'm not a mug, but I'm not like the fittest person in the world, and I don't like like having well tracking back. Essentially, is really boring. Um, 
yeah, like you go out there and they they just fucking cheat and ruin everything. And you know, they play to three. You always play like a, a game of five or six side first to three, and you pay, you have to bet a dollar per team. Uh, no, a dollar per per player. So you've got six dollars right on it essentially. Um, and if you get to three before the other team gets to three, they they'll find some reason to disallow the third goal, regardless of whether. It, we had one where they were talking about uh, a handball when all that, all that happened was we we just passed it down the pitch a bit and then scored and so they called back for a handball and it's like oh fuck off yeah so that that sort of thing happens constantly. Did they have a pet name or anything like Gringo or anything like that at all when you were playing? Yeah, they call everyone Gringo. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, they're not really original. They just yeah, if you're a Gringo, you're a Gringo. Um, I think I had a couple of mates. One one who played in Uganda once and one who played in Ghana once. And they're both kind of generic, dark-haired British men. And they were both called Peter Crouch by the locals. <laughs> to, the, to the locals, they looked like Peter Crouch because they were taller than everyone else and whiter than everyone else. And so that stuck. Even though both, to me, to me, they, they couldn't look anything... like They could barely look less like Peter Crouch. But apparently... It's probably like any young African okay. footballer that comes here is the next Didier Drogba, isn't he? So that's yeah, kind something of, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, not in my estimation, of course. Um, yes. Just to clear that up. Right, let's uh, let's let's go over Spurs's. I mean, we've played Leicester twice in the week. We got fucking play them again. Um, I mean, there's not an awful lot to say, in my opinion, Raj, about the cup game. I mean, drawing two two wasn't particularly ideal because um, we've got to play them again now. Um, it. it I'd like to say it felt like we were pretty unlucky. Um, uh, a, a draw probably is a is a fair result on the balance of things, but I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, the the penalty, I, we were probably quite lucky with that, wouldn't you say? Um, I'd rather the draw than to go out of the cup first off. Yeah. Um, and the penalty, I thought it was fairly clean cut. To be honest, the ball was going to drop in the box, and he, and he, and his hand essentially punched it away. So there's, there's no real argument against that. I thought it was, you know, if the if the referee sees it, he's likely to give it. The only reason there's sort of any conversation there is that some referees are, are more lenient than others, um, and I think in the in the context of the game and sort of how how much Tottenham had started to attack towards the end of the game and whatnot, it was it was probably um probably fairer to give it than it was to to not. So I uh, I didn't see too much problem with that. I mean that that could just be me being biased. Um I don't know if it, I was gonna ask, is this like the best troll job in the history of the world? Are you being like completely po faced and deadpan? What? Do what did you not think it was a penalty? It was never a penalty. Like I mean I mean, if he'd put his hand towards the ball as part of his running motion, then I could have seen the reason for giving it. But, like, it seemed like his hand remained more or less stationary as he turned around it. No, he used it. He, it. No, no, no. He was using his hand to... I can't remember who it was that he was going shoulder was, to shoulder with. It was Dyer. Yeah, he was using his hand to try and push away Dyer and ended up pushing up pushing the ball away at the same time. So his hand was in an unnatural position. If he was, if his hand had hit it while he was running, then it would be less of a problem because it, uh, it that would have been a... I, I, I saw it as him, like... Because like when you when you stop and try to turn on a sixpence, as it were, he wasn't trying to turn. Hands, he was trying. Your, your hands come out. Yeah, you know, he was trying you... to push Eric Dyer away, and instead of pushing Dyer, he pushed the ball. 
I see. Okay, so that wasn't my viewing of it. That's I that's how it. I saw it. As I say, I could be being biased, but um, I thought yeah, he. No, he I, um... I thought it was very hard. Like, I, yeah, oh, it's I it's definitely it's definitely for. contentious, but I can see why no, the referee yeah, gave it. I don't think you can say it in the context of the game. Spurs have been attacking a bit, so we'll give it. <laughs> that was my reading of it. Uh, we we we'll let him have this one because we didn't deserve to to lose the game. No. Because um, Leicester sort of. They've done well to get back into it and go ahead, um, as they have done all season, um, and sort of punished us for for not paying attention when we should have done. Um, but yeah. it was for for um, for how the the larger part of the game went. A, a draw was probably, as Jack said, the fairest result for everyone involved. I felt like uh, people were a bit harsh on Alderweireld for their second. Like I, I felt it was more Okazaki doing really well as opposed to I mean Alderweire could have probably done a bit better but I think he had a poor game in that one as far as I can remember I can't remember it too well because it was a while ago but I think that was one of his um, least impressive games for us this season um, yeah he was still pretty decent though you know like it, it wasn't that he I just think he set his level so high that if he kind of has a fairly average game I think it was he, I think it was fairly dodgy to be honest um, um, he, he looked a bit um unsettled which wasn't like him obviously it's not as if I'm saying he's terrible now just because he's had no, one no, bad game but it happens and I think that was just his one his one off game I think he was probably a little bit he unsettled yeah Vaughn doesn't help because he doesn't inspire confidence in anyone playing next to Wimmer who he hasn't played next to a lot although he you know he had a fairly decent game himself so that wasn't yeah, too much of an issue um, I think it was just because because he's played as part of that unit with Vertonghen and Dyer and and Lloris so much to sort of take a component or two away from that and sort of put him in a different unit is going to shake him a little bit and it, and it should. Um, he did get better as the game went on because um, I think he just sort of settled into himself a bit more but he, he did have a fairly dodgy start. Um, but, you know, getting a replay out of a, a game that, that could have quite easily been lost isn't is no... There's uh, nothing to be disappointed about, I don't think. I completely understand the fact that Vaughan doesn't play week in, week out. He's rusty, so on and so forth. But he is drastically shite every time he plays for us now. He, 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 was, he was a good keeper at Swansea. He was a good keeper when he played for them. Um, it's because he, he's, just, it's because he only so plays every now and then. Now. Yeah, I think it's he has no rhythm now, isn't it? So every time he does play, it is after twenty matches, and it is only here and there, and it does feel like he's been given a favour. Um, and the fact that he has made mistakes on previous ones probably gives him a bit more of a, you know, a bit more pressure on him because I, I imagine he he came to the club to try and feel what it was like in a sort of a, he said this himself, he wanted to feel what it was like in a sort of a bigger club atmosphere than the ones he'd been at previously and he wanted to sort of fight for his position but he's so far and away the the, the second keeper at the club that it's not really gone to plan and he knows he's really just fighting a, a losing battle so he's he's on a bit of an hiding to nothing whenever he plays and it does mm. feel like a slightly charitable choice every time he does play. To, to be honest, I think because we even speculated about it at the time, like Hugo's position was like much more unsure when we signed Vorm as well that it almost felt like okay we're getting Vorm to basically be our number one for the for the interim when Hugo inevitably fucks off in the next few weeks. But obviously that didn't transpire because I think it was around the time Hugo got that injury, isn't it? And he uh, he didn't end up going. And no, it was the season whatever. before the season before the injury. Was it? Yeah, I think um, 
I think last season could have been the year. I think it could have been like a, a sort of a year to settle in at the club and then he might go. And Lloris even came out in uh, the French press recently and admitted that he had thought about leaving the club um, because sort of after that season with Sherwood, you can't blame him for wanting to go. Um, but... He um he decided to stick it out once Pochettino had come in and he was really um full of praise for what sort of his 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 uh his effect on the club and that's the reason he stayed on. So it may come to a point where Vaughan may need to leave just to sort of recapture his own form because he's he's clearly not got the uh the concentration levels or the belief in himself to to be able to drop in and out of matches and and perform as and when needed, he he definitely needs a bit of a run up at, at, at performing. It's sort of it's reminiscent of Fabianski at Arsenal because whenever Fabianski used to play here and there for Arsenal, he was terrible. But now he's been given an extended run at Swansea. He's, he's much better than anybody had given him credit for previously, just because he's got that benefit of of having some rhythm and having some sort of uh, consistency and belief in himself. I think that's a, a the mental aspect of being a goalkeeper is probably a lot more prominent than being an outfielder just because it is it's almost like being a it's almost like a, a one-man sport inside a team game which is well you know, that's you know. It, that's, those are the sound bites you often hear from goalkeepers don't you that it's like it's the biggest battle is against yourself and all that kind of trite shit that they go on about i just think they're all fucking boring can you imagine being a goalkeeper? And one of my best mates is a, was a really good goalkeeper. He played for um, he played for Bradford City up until he got sort of injured in the um, in, at youth team level, um, and he was sort of um, there was points in sort of cup games and things where it was either him or this other keeper that they'd bought in from Everton to sit on the bench with the first team, and um, sort of injuries and things hampered his progression, and he eventually got released because he um, he just couldn't string enough performances together but he um he was always really good and he, he, the thing with goalkeepers are they're they're really weird and single-minded and sort of they have a, a mentality that that you know normal people who play football don't like even little things like when we used to play heads and volleys red ass with him he would treat it like it was the world cup final whereas everyone else was having a bit of a laugh he would you know stick himself in goal to start with and then he'd he'd not be happy until he'd sort of saved it and, and got out and stuff like that and whenever we used to go for a kickabout which we did fairly often because we lived near each other I used to find it quite fun to just sort of dink the ball over the top of him and like chip the ball over him just to, like properly <laughs> exploit the fact that nobody else was on the pitch and he'd tell me off because he'd said that it wasn't in the rhythm of the game and that it was happening so that was the only reason he was being beaten and um, you know sounds like a prick man no, but like love, lovely lad away from that. But but that's what goalkeepers are like. They they sort of they're very singular in the way they they approach it, and um, which is the way I think they they uh, probably get away with it. Someone did an article about Jack Butland today, saying uh, people are being a bit stupid asking for him to be in the England team because Joe Hart's so by far and away the number one, and Jack Butland's just this new kid. And the the point was made in this article that goalkeepers are unique in that they're always pushing for one position whereas like outfield players if they're not getting a game in one spot they can train for another one and slip in somewhere else and I think like Tottenham's midfield is maybe a good example of that at the moment because you've got like Ali and Dembele who can play in both the, the middle and then behind the striker and there have been other uh, like Bale played across the front three when he was there Modric was all over the place a little, at the start whereas like goalkeepers if they're not playing goalkeepers then they're not playing like you can't get a goalkeeper oh well 
you're not getting a game in, in your position, but you're actually that uh, good enough to justify elsewhere, so we'll play your left back. Well, that doesn't happen, does it? Um, so maybe that's one of the reasons they go a bit crazy. Um, you're saying goalkeepers need to work on their versatility then, Rob? Yeah, definitely. They should be like, uh, what was that Mexican goalkeeper's name? Jorge Campos. He played yeah. out, out as well and scored loads of goals and stuff. Fuck those, didn't he? Who, who was the other? He was almost did all the free kicks, wasn't he? Did all the free kicks. Oh, sorry. Chilavet did that for. Um, Chilavet, yeah. Was it? I can't remember. I should know this. The Brazilian. Yeah. No, the, oh, no, the Chilavet was. It's Chilean. Oh, maybe Ch Chilavet's Chilean. I can't remember. Anyway, the point is. What yeah, a fat scored, man. Yeah. And he's actually a massive prick now. Oh, is he, par no, really? he Paraguayan? There was a Brazilian. I thought I thought there was a Brazilian keeper that used to always chuck himself forward for the penalties and that. Tafarel, yeah, maybe. Was that Tafarel? Rogério Chini is the Brazilian goalkeeper. He's just retired. Yeah, as, he's just retired, yeah. yeah. He just retired as... I think he played for Sao Paulo for like 20 years and he's one of their all-time top scorers and stuff. <laughs> Took all the set players. Yeah. He's I mean, one of those that's like, gone into politics, Rob, then has become like maybe. uber right wing. I don't know. Um, yeah, the, the goalkeeper taking set pieces thing is really common in South America. When I was... In Argentina, you'd see quite a lot of keepers taking penalties and stuff. Apparently, it's just, it's just a dumb thing. I don't know. I don't know where the rationale comes from. Maybe it's because like they know like what it is like to be facing it, so maybe they're better at doing it. I don't really know how, where it comes from, but loads of goalkeepers take set pieces, and it's really weird. I, yeah, it doesn't happen here at all. I don't maybe know it's the only way you can get kids to go and goal in South America because they want to be fucking attackers, yeah. don't they? Just tell them they yeah. can have the set pieces. When Rooney started in goal. Is that culturally insensitive with me there? Well, have I, have I done a boo-boo? I'm allowed to do it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. When Rooney you know, started as a keeper. As they come. Hmm? Said when Rooney started as a keeper. I thought he started as a boxer. Probably. Yeah. But um, there, was, um, there was that Nike advert years ago um, where he was in goal in Man United training. That I remember. Um, that came out when oh, I was in right school. as well, actually. Wasn't yeah, he's, he? he's a I decent keeper. Advert, he's a bit, a bit like a Phil Jagielka type, who can probably do a shift if he needed to. Um, well, remember those videos of Gareth Bale in goal on the when he used to play for Spurs? He yeah, was yeah. fucking decent. He, um, yeah, that penalty save. Yeah, yeah. Um, wonderful. Do you remember when um, when Stuart Pearce sent David James up top once, and he like he. Had a, yeah. He'd had an outfield shirt printed out for him and everything. Cause it, was, it was his birthday present or something, wasn't it? Wasn't there some story behind it? I can't remember. I thought. It, I think he just thought it was a good idea. Yeah, I thought he just thought it was a good idea. Is this like clock sticking Colker up front? Yeah. Twice. Twice. I can't believe it. When he I did can't it believe he even signed Colker, to be honest. Well, yeah, that was bad start. enough. That was, that was horrendous, but like... When they did it against Arsenal, I was like, okay, that was the stupidest idea I've ever seen. They can't possibly be stupid enough to do that again. And then they did. Like, Christ, how bad is that? And I know it's trite and obvious and, like, sort You're of a straw right man place, argument to an extent. You're in the but right place for that. Yeah. Imagine if Brendan Rodgers had done it. He would have been, he would not have made it out of Anfield alive. He'd have been killed, like, without a shadow of a doubt. They would have been so angry they'd have killed him. And then they've got Jurgen Klopp. Mr. Marketing and all the rest of it. The, the world's saviour brings on Colker up front twice in two games. See, but do you know what the ironic thing is, though, mate? Like, you know what the you know how the press operate here, in that when Klopp probably does actually start to do quite well, that's when they'll start laying into him. You know what our kind of boom and bust media is like? Mm -hmm. They'll bring him yeah. up and you know 
slamming back down again. I mean, like the the backlash is already starting with Pochettino a bit, which we can go on what? to now. As we're, well, kind of a little bit. There was a, a bit after our midweek game against Leicester where we actually lost, um, and there was a there was a particular news article doing the rounds about how Pochettino's over reliance on youth is actually undermining Tottenham's chance at making a legitimate claim for the title in what's a, a very weak Premier League year. And I, I couldn't I, I couldn't even fathom how someone could look at our team and say Who what's that? going on. It's, it, it was actually... Um, I, I normally like a lot of what he says, but it was Tom Colomossi from the Evening Standard just wrote this preposterous article. Just, uh, just bizarre. Um, essentially saying that, you know, his stubborn insistence on picking these youth team prospects as opposed to proven internationals and cited Andros Townsend and Nessa Chadley as two examples of that um, is undermining, like I say, a a legitimate stake on the title this year. Sounds like he just needed an angle to write an article after a loss, to be honest. Yeah, but he's he's not normally like that, so that's why it was surprising. Um, I guess maybe he's just having an off week or something. Um, But... Bob Luck. You know... I hate to say it, because I, I, it's not easy really looking at Leicester City uh, and suggesting that they kind of, you know, maybe deserved all three points at White Hart Lane. I mean, Leicester City is an entity, not, you know, take it out of the context of how they're playing this season and what Ranieri's done for them. But to me, I, I, I don't feel that in that league game we actually played that badly. No, I, no, they I, did I a bit of a Leicester, job on us. Yeah, they did, and I, I can't, I can't take that. I, I felt gutted because it was, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't nice to lose in that fashion. When I felt like we'd actually given it a good shot and just been outwitted, it Ranieri had beaten Pochettino essentially. I don't um, think he, he necessarily that. I think we, we had a couple of chances where we definitely should have scored. Ben Davies pinged a couple of beauties onto Lamella's foot that both of which should have probably been mm. scored, and it's, it's sort of one of those. Um, fine margin games that you you see so often where we could have quite easily won it had we been, you know, not as uh, not as profligate as we were. Um and this the stories would have been uh, completely different. But because we sort of spent a lot of our evening wasting chances and, and Leicester took their one chance when they had it, um it turned out to be sort of a a much more negative experience than it really probably should have been because um it wasn't as if it was it wasn't one of those. You remember when we used to sort of lose inexplicably one nil to sort of Norwich or someone at home after sort of doing nothing all game, and it'd just be absolutely turgid, and then they'd go up in the 80th minute and score one, and you'd know you'd have seen it coming since the 20th minute that was going to happen. It wasn't that sort of a game. There was plenty there for us to have done, and it was sort of. You're gonna, you're going to lose one or two of them, especially with a squad as young as ours, with a, an average age of, you know, in their early twenties. They're still learning. They're still trying to come together as a team, and um, those sort of defeats are gonna are gonna come, especially against a team who are, who are so confident and settled in in themselves as Leicester are. They were just, um, you know, I've, I've, I've got to say, mate, because I know you've kind of you've watched because you, well, I don't know, you watch football more than I do, and you kind of better at it than me <laughs> but I mean I've, I've always kind of approached Leicester probably quite ignorantly and, and not really very fairly in that I've 
you know, kind of thought, well, they probably just defend and then they give it to Mares or Vardy who are in a rich vein of form. But across the board, they're fucking well drilled. They're really well organised. Like they're a, they're a decent team. They actually are. And you, you've got to give credit to Ranieri for for what he's done for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Rob will probably be able to add some of that to it as well. But I think the sort of the form of Vardy and Mares sort of. Um, distracted people from how well their central midfield was working. Is, was can, is it Kante? Yeah, Kante. Uh, yeah, fucking good. Even not even Kante, who they bought for for pennies from sort of uh, uh, I can't even remember which French team it was, but not it's yeah, yeah, which is nobody exactly. And it's Danny Drinkwater next to him as well, who's yeah. suddenly yeah. turned into a fantastic holding player. Yeah, and they're all they're all working fantastically together, and that sort of that area of the park is is their um, their winning thing. And as much as it pains me to say it, Wed Morgan's having a fantastic season at the back yeah. with Robert Hoof, which has come out of nowhere because, as you'll know, my favourite player in the league was. Wes Morgan up until this season because he was just it was watching a clown perform um, just the way that a ball would bounce off him and somehow find its way into the goal it was just brilliant he was a constant source of mistakes and hilarity but he's he seems to have ironed that out um, and he's become a very functional solid player out of nowhere it seems and um, that backbone of the side has been their real success What do you make of him Rob? Um, pretty much the same as Raj, like, and and also what you said about them being very well organised. They're they're so sure of what they're doing, and um, it seems like quite a strange thing to say, but certainty is really useful in football. Like, you watch teams like, uh, for example, Arsenal at the moment are playing a sort of patchwork eleven with Walcott on the left and Joel Campbell on the right, and Joel Campbell supposedly had no future at the club, and Theo Walcott has never ever been considered a viable option on the left wing. And as a, as a result, they kind of look a bit more ponderous and they don't really know what's going on and they're not organised. Whereas Leicester, there's no fucking doubt there. They're just flying through games. Like they, Everyone in the from 1 to 11 knows what their job is. And they've got Okazaki and Vardy, or you know Vardy plus one up front, usually Okazaki at the moment, who lead the line so well and press so well and just make everyone work a little bit harder behind them. I think there's been a couple of players say, you look at Vardy chasing the ball and... That you've got no excuse. Like the the guy who's scoring all the goals and getting all the headlines is working really hard. That leaves you with no excuse to stand around with your finger up your arse. You've got to join in. Um, and then they're not. Yeah, you know, they just they just go forward relentlessly. They, they've got like some of the lowest pass completion in the Premier League, the lowest passes per game, um, which some people use as a sort of measure of control and how well they're playing. Um, but yeah, they're just flying. They're just bombing forward, getting it up there, getting it to the guys who are doing the right things, and then just m- relentless momentum. And some teams who want to play a more sophisticated game or want to um, quote control the game better, and like sort of the Van Hal idea, the the Guardiola-esque idea of the last few years of putting your foot on the ball and controlling it, and if the other team hasn't got it, then they can't do you damage, etc. Leicester are just like, well, fuck that. We'll just put it in the net. Well, there's no doubt they just go forward. And I think one of the things which is, it got picked up a little while ago, but it vanished again, was that the four quickest players in the league have all played for Leicester. Um, the, the top speeds recorded by Opta this season, the four quickest players all play for Leicester. So, like, they've definitely recruited with an eye on, we'll sit deep a bit, we'll contain, and then when we spring forward, we'll do it quicker than anyone can handle. And, like, you can't, if someone's a million times faster than you, then you can't match that with anything 
tactical. Like, there's nothing complicated about running someone running past someone else. If like, when we remember Bale destroying Mycon, like, there was just nothing Mycon could do. Bale was much faster than him and much uh, had that strength over a short distance. And Leicester have got like a million of those players. So yeah, I mean, and one of the things about them getting the result against Tottenham. Uh, there was the Kane one-on-one that hit the bar after going off Schmeichel. You remember yeah. that? Schmeichel um, had a good game. Yeah, but Schmeichel's having another, he's having another good season, isn't he? Another player mm. who's going under the radar a bit. But um, I got the feeling like Leicester's luck is in. And like if, if Kane had had that one-on-one against Aston Villa and the keeper had been Brad Guzan, it would have hit Guzan and like clipped the bar and gone in. Whereas yeah. like against Leicester, it clipped the bar and came out again. Like some, It just seems like everything like that is going Leicester's way this season as well, which is obviously a massive help. It's going to be, if if they actually do win the league, which they're not going to, but were they to? We were talking about this briefly on, on Twitter, Rob, but it it would surely be one of the greatest sporting achievements of all time, at least yeah, in recorded be, history. Yeah, I mean, the one that comes... I mean, the most recent example of like the greatest sporting achievement in history is Atletico Madrid winning the league, which isn't in, it, in and of itself so surprising, but when you consider the might of Barcelona and Madrid being so far ahead of everyone else in terms of finances like that that seems impossible for the third biggest team to win the league but they did it um but leicester was would blow that out of the water it would be it would be even even more absurd than greece winning euro 2004 going in as the 16th favorites out of 16 like leicester when everyone knows they were bottom at christmas last year and this year christmas they were top um they were dead and buried in was it february or march last year where they were just gone and suddenly, yeah, 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 there'd be nothing else. Nothing would beat that. It would be the best, certainly that I've seen. Well, someone's because City seem fucking intent on giving the league to Arsenal this year. So, yeah. if uh, if someone can stop them and it's not us, then good on you, Leicester City. Yeah, but, I, uh, I think the closer it gets, people are going to be like more and more neutrals are going to be going for Leicester, um, unless you're one of those people. Which who who you know it's quite a valid stance to take uh, that Jamie Vardy has still got a case to answer for this racism shit and hasn't hasn't been found like sufficiently guilty as it were or hasn't paid a high enough a penalty. Uh, there are he, some but he had to chat to Okazaki about it, didn't he? So it's all. Oh sort yeah, of, uh... I, I, I don't know. I don't. No one know, really knows the ins and outs as far as I know. But there are still a lot of people I see on Twitter who are adamant that Vardy hasn't paid enough for this or that it gets conveniently swept under the carpet and all the rest of it I don't know but yeah there are quite a few people who are adamant that Leicester should not win the league or Fardy should be denied success at every opportunity because of that one incident hmm. I don't know it's a tricky one isn't it it's a tricky um, one yeah our next result though we, we did in Tottenham fashion bounce back as we haven't actually since Dawson won't we haven't actually had a, a bounce back um, soundbite I think um, but we did uh, 4-1 against Sunderland which although the result suggests we were completely dominant and it was a good game it was actually a pretty shite match to be honest um, and I, I don't think we played very well it's, it's actually one of the worst I think I've seen us play all season to be honest with you um, it's nice to see Ericsson get a couple although his both of his goals were pretty fortuitous um, Bellet's goal was pretty special. That was really, really nice. Don't know if you, if either of you saw that one, but he's he's yeah. he's a player that's having a good season. Yeah, he's been it's outstanding. Really good, it's really good to see him come back and come back from the brink. And it's sort of um, 
I don't know. Uh, this season's theme for me, like across all the leagues that I follow, has been sort of not redemption as such, but um, I just want to see more people given time rather than have one chance, blow it, and then get turfed out. If you know what I mean. Um, I follow Barcelona a little bit just because they're Barcelona. I'm not like a fan or anything, but you know it's messy. You have kind of have to follow that. And um, Sergio Roberto has been one of their players of the season, and he was written off years ago because he just didn't appear to be good enough. But he's, I mean, there's something to be said for someone like the Darren Fletcher type who can play anywhere across the middle and will work really hard and understand exactly what he has to do. And Sergio Roberto is that kind of player, and he's kind of gone from being everyone's least favourite player to not being a vital name, but a really useful cog. And he played a key role in Barcelona destroying Madrid at the and in the Clasico. So that was nice. And I think Dembele's had a similar story where, I mean, a few years ago, him and uh, Sandro were just, just like amazing, weren't they? They were such a good partnership. Mm-hmm. But then Dembele went bad for quite a long time. And I've really enjoyed seeing him come back to being the force that he can be and getting his shit together and getting another chance. And I'd like to see more players get given another chance rather than just be... Because, like, um, it's, one, it's one of those things that people complain about now, isn't it? The immediacy and the the, the, the need for churn in the transfer window to sell play, uh, sell papers and to get fans excited. They don't want to see someone who's, who's already there get another chance and get more work done on the training pitch and stuff and work hard in training to become better. They want to see them turfed out and then a shiny new name brought in from some exotic location. We'd never have wanted Dembele to get turfed out, would we, Jack? <laughs> you, to be fair, I've never, and you can even listen back, I've never doubted his ability. <laughs> no, but, I wanted kidding. But, no, no, but no, but I did. I did want him gone because he used to just fucking irritate me so much. Like, I felt like he was a player that we had given ample chances to and he mm-hmm. just wasn't learning. It, much in the same way that we kind of find with Andros Townsend now. It's like, there's a player there, but... How many more chances can you give someone? How many times can they continue to make the same mistake? And I kind of felt Dembele was stuck in that rut where it would just be like, just fucking take it forwards, mate. Just pass it, release it, quick, like quickly. Come on, like every time we would break, he would hold up play. But now he just, I don't know, there's just so much more like dynamism to his plays. Like it's fluid now. It doesn't just like get to Dembele. It is like the pen who's dropped with him. Yeah. So he wasn't. It wasn't as if he was ever playing badly. It was almost as if he was playing at half pace and sort of yeah. didn't fully understand what was expected of him. And then yeah, I think, I think that's like he's lost point. a lot of weight as well. I think he has. Yeah, I thought I noticed that. I wondered if it was just me that wondered. But yeah, no, he, he, he seems like more, like more streamlined. Streamlined's a bad way of putting it, isn't it? But you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's definitely lost a few pounds. But yeah, I think um, Raj. I correctly identified the problem. Like now, he he knows exactly what he has to do and what's expected of him. Um, whereas before, certainly when he was playing under Sherwood and towards the end of the Village Boas time, I don't think he knew what he was supposed to be doing. Like it was a mess, wasn't it? I mean, the whole team was a mess for a while, but he suffered particularly badly because he, he seems like someone who needs to. His strengths are most accentuated when he knows exactly what he has to do. Uh, has the freedom to play at high intensity whereas if he's kind of being asked to do more than one job or the the instruction is fucking run around a bit then he's not going to play <laughs> to his, his best ability is he he's uh i, I don't know he's, he's pretty because he's he's becoming one of those players now and i didn't think i'd hear myself say it really but he's he's becoming one of those players that you actually feel gutted when he's not in the team anymore. You know, when when he was injured, I was like, "Fuck!" Like, 
Yeah, Dembele's yeah. arguably like one of our best outfield players nowadays. Like he's he's so fucking brilliant. And there's so much to his game now. He's kind of sharpening those like attacking facets to his play. He, there's just so much because like one thing he's always had is his is his ability to retain the ball. Like fucking no one's getting him off the ball when he's in full stride. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just such a fucking asset to have. Like it's. It's amazing, and to to be fair, that that always I I felt at least always kind of shone in European fixtures where maybe the pace of the game was a bit slower and you know it was a bit more technical and you had a bit more time on the ball to to think and you know play the game at your kind of pace. He he, he always did all right there, um, but it was more in the Premiership where he he, he didn't quite do it. But yeah, whatever. He's 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 absolutely smashing it now, and it is it's an absolute joy to see. Um, I also it's. What have you made of this? Um, because obviously a lot of it's hearsay at the moment, Raj, but what have you made of the whole kind of Christian Eriksen having crisis talks with Pochettino about playing on the left as opposed to playing as a number 10? Um, I didn't even know I mean, that was a thing. Yeah, apparently so. But I mean, like, like we've sort of discussed at length before, I mean, I, I wouldn't ever say that Christian Eriksen is, sticks to a rigid left role. Uh, I mean, like we, we've... We, as I say, we've discussed before how like our front four is is pretty fluid. I mean, it, even Kane, who you know, if you look at the fucking the the formation on Sky Sports when at the start of the match, yeah, okay, he's our striker. But more often than not, he's dropping back, and you've got Lamella overlapping. You've got yeah, Ericsson or Ali overlapping him. Like we don't really have that rigid a system in place. So I do find it quite hard to believe that Ericsson's going to be saying, "I don't want to play on the left," like. He's stuck out as some left winger because he he's not really, is it? No, I don't think that's the case whatsoever. Um, I'm, I'm not sure where that rumour's come from. I hadn't heard it until you'd brought it up, but it doesn't really buy into what's actually happening on the field. Oh. Um, because as you say, they all tend to be swapping around positions and and sort of spending different times in different places depending on on what's happening on the field. So it's um, it's not something I'd, I'd particularly go along with. I think um, it, it feels like a bit of an easy line, to be honest. I'm not sure if it's if it's someone in his, in his camp just sort of posturing for effect or something like that. I'd, I'd hope not, but it um, it doesn't sound right as far as I'm aware. I mean, you, you'd get the sense that if he was somebody who was complaining or anything like that, especially with the way we've seen um, Pochettino deal with these people previously, he wouldn't be spending too much time in the squad um, because he, he he quite happily just uh, chucks people out if they're not going to uh, go along with his idea of how the how the game should be played. So um, I, I'd be interested to know what you think about this, Rob, because I mean it might be that I have some sort of twisted agenda towards Ericsson, but I always feel that you know. Okay, so this year. We haven't seen him, you know, pull off these like barnstorming free kicks. These moments of brilliance, barring the last couple of games when he scored actually three goals now in two games, um, yeah. be it a wicked deflection on on his last one. Um, however, but you know, so pe- I mean, people have kind of criticised him for his lack of impact, even though I believe he's actually got more assists and more goals this year than he did last year. But perhaps they're just a bit less spectacular, so less eye-catching. But to me, yeah. he, even if he's not scoring or assisting, he just seems to be that player that he's always creating space in the final third for us, and he's yeah. he's always there. He's always an option. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a very obviously he's a very smart footballer, and he's um, 
regardless of whether he's producing the goals and assists, he's so useful to Spurs and so important to the way that they play at the moment, regardless of the, as we as you said, like the starting position nominally is a starting position, isn't it? Like it's not where they actually play the idea that he's marooned out. Just- One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A name on a team sheet, and it? It's arbitrary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Arbitrary is the word we're looking for. Um, I think it's this, this thing about him moaning about where he's playing. Um, he's got two years left on his contract as of this summer, I and mean, that's when they tend to do the renewals because of the, the danger of the Bosman thing happening. They do it with two years left on the contract. That's when you start talking about it. And... Uh, at the same time that they're talking about renewing contracts, it's obviously their agents are pushing for moves and seeing what money they can get elsewhere. So I would suspect there's been an offer from another team. There was interest is, from Juventus we'll, in the we'll summer. Play you, we'll play you for, in, as the number 10. We'll play, you, you will be 100% the number 10 and we'll pay you this much money. So Ericsson going into Tottenham and saying, I'm playing on the left, I don't like it, is his sort of um, opening gambit, you know. I've got a move potential elsewhere where I can go play in my preferred number 10 role and not have to do any defensive work and all this shit. And if you're going to make me do defensive work, then I want this much money and all the rest of it. So I think it's contractual posturing and agents being agents and having a word here and there and getting an offer from another another side. Um, I have not, in my... um, reading seen him linked with another a move away in the summer or whatever although it is two years left on his contract which is when a move would happen so it makes sense that he's been contacted by another club who say we'll play you as the number 10 and now he's come back to Tottenham and said I want to play as the number 10 I'm, I don't know why I'm playing on the left blah 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 just follows like that I think I think he'd be a beautiful footballer in the Serie A Christian yeah Harrison. exactly this is the thing isn't it he is a he's a proper Serie A player that's the danger like it's such a nice fit even though it's become like a more physical league in the last couple of years with a lot of hard-running teams more mm. uh, overpowering the, the traditional tactical approach. Um, he is such a, a, not a niche. such a, He fits in that niche in the number 10 role that still kind of in certain teams exists over there. So maybe he's got an offer and he's kind of come back to Tottenham and said, I want to play there if I'm going to stay. I think kind of it might be it might be a bit of apologism, but like the thing I always fall back on with Christian Eriksen as well is that I feel that you know perhaps for a player that might not be you know given that he's not the most mobile, he's not the most physical, what have you, you know, but maybe he's not the most suited to the Premier League. But I think such is his quality that 
he's making like a good fucking claim at having a very good Premier League career. Like I I I wouldn't want Coutinho over him, for example. And a lot of people wax oh, no lyrical about Coutinho, yeah. but you know I I just think Ericsson is yeah okay he's I, I mean I, I wind up people on Twitter. I don't think he's on the same level as like someone like Urzil or you know David Silva, but I think he he exists in a bracket that isn't a million miles or well maybe he's quite far behind those two, but he just kind of exists in, in a kind of vacuum between like that kind of level and then the people below him who are, I don't know who you would say, probably someone like Ross Barkley or, you know, whoever I just no, mentioned. Well, I think fair, yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I've never seen him play in the flesh and it annoys me because he's such, he's my kind of, my kind of player. He's the sort of player you'd go out of your way to see. Um, and I can see, he probably knows that. He can probably he's probably got some sort of um, ego trip where he's saying like you know I'm I'm a, I'm a creative number ten who gets bums off seats and people should pay the ticket just to see me. Um, probably not in as many words, but you know what I mean. He's probably got that angle with the contractual thing coming up saying I'm worth that because he is that kind of player. I mean, I think him and Coutinho are probably equal more or less in terms of ability, but Coutinho's brain seems to have disappeared in the last couple of years and Ericsson has still got his, so you'd, you'd have Ericsson over Coutinho in a heartbeat at the moment. It's probably um, hard being at, at Liverpool because they're such a fucking mess at the moment yeah, as well. Yeah, it's, it's a gigantic clusterfuck. Like, they're just ruined at the moment. They're, they're not going to... I mean, I was... I mean, I got into quite a lot of trouble on Twitter for saying, like, Klopp would be have you? to be an idiot to take that job. Yeah, I know, right? Who would have thought? Um would be an idiot to take that job and like it would be the death of his career and he was he's just commit, committed uh, committed career suicide but it's been what two or three months and it just looks like he's got no answer to the the clusterfuck that's happened up there he's just got nothing um i, I don't know like he, he he's obviously a good manager but they're so screwed and the squad is so bad if it's not bad it's just badly assembled like who are their best players they just they remind. Do. They remind me of us a couple of years ago, you know. Yeah, just, it is. It is. Yeah. I just think he'll need time. He, he is a good manager. He just. I think he just. What has he had like half a season, if even that? Yeah, so it's he's. That. You know, he's. He's. He's gonna. I, you'd hope, at least, anyway, that he's kind of doing what Pochettino did at, at the start, I suppose, where he's giving them all a the chance, seeing whatever yeah, yeah. they bring to the table, and then, you know, so maybe even just writing this season off, which. Obviously, when when you're a fan of the club and you're paying your money, so on and so forth, you don't really want to hear that. But you know, it's, did Pochettino uh... ever play Cobra up front? <laughs> no, he sold him before he ever played him. Yeah, true. Oh, yeah. yeah, good idea that. Who was it? Was it Harry Redknapp that described Cobra as a Rolls Royce of, of a footballer? Oh, sounds about right. Well, no, but Cobra was um, there was a lot of hype around him for a while. It was. Um, New Ledley King. It may have been, even been AVB that sold him. I think it was AVB that sold him to uh, to Cardiff for like ten million. Um, yeah, and I remember quite a lot of Spurs fans being outraged. They were, like, they were. Oh yeah, now, now it looks like it did make it like an absolute steal. It did make no sense at the time. It made no because yeah. he he had had a, a reasonable season, sort of dropping in and out of the team. He had an absolute shocker 
at Leeds away in the cup, he seemed to sort of shrink under the fact that there were a, a few thousand people trying to get on his back in the Leeds oh, crowd. Jesus, he was terrible. Yeah, between between him and Brad Friedel, they lost us that game. Yeah. Um, uh, but he, he had a good game at sort of like Man City away and stuff like that. So there was there were signs there, but they they'd clearly seen something that they didn't like behind closed doors and sold him on fairly quickly. And um, you that told me about this rumor, Baj. What rumor? Is it not you? I'm sure it was one of you two that told me about some an incident with a certain owner's daughter. No, I've not heard this. Do no, tell. No, All right. I don't know. If, uh, how good's your legal knowledge? I don't want to say anything that's going to get us in trouble. Yeah, no, no nobody listens to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm actually not going to say a thing because we'll just get in trouble. So we won't get in trouble. Yeah. Go ahead. There was. A, I think he's. Yeah, there was some incident where he. Um, he didn't sleep with anyone, but he he either came on to Joe Lewis's daughter while on a pre-season tour, or insulted her, and it ended up with him just being like turfed out of Spurs because he, he yeah he either came on to her or insulted her, and they were like you fucking what and like yeah Joe Lewis just put his foot down and was like getting out. Wouldn't Joe Lewis's daughter be in her fifties or something though? I've no idea. Apparently, yeah, he, he had words with her of some description. <laughs> had words. That sounds really sinister. <laughs> I love the yeah, whole thing about yeah. it's, it's a bit like Zaha, isn't it? Like apparently banging Lauren Moyes yeah, exactly, as well, exactly which is. Like... Oh, you you put that really delicately there, mate. I know. Well, <laughs> you, know you know me. <laughs> you know me. All the sensitivity of like. Well, it's got a very lovely paper on your ball bag, you know. Like... <laughs> um. Uh, should we do some? Let's let's do do some of these questions that we've received. Actually, um. There's none about banging, is there? No. <laughs> <laughs> there might be actually. I haven't scrolled up enough yet. Um, Tom Hayward and both Sam Bedford actually uh, at Tom Foynes eighty seven and at SD Bedford ask you, Rob. You know, essentially to the same sentiment. How does it feel to be a one hundred percent coys? I I fucking love this team. That's kind of all there is to say. Um, they're just amazing, and you can see the passion in the team, and it's beautiful to see the lads fighting so hard in every game and they are going to win the league so it feels pretty great to be coys at the moment I have to say although you are as we, uh, as I told you I was going to recycle this gag you are like the football writing equivalent of Manuel Adebayor aren't you because you're now yeah. a, a Chelsea correspondent for SB Nation yes. which I didn't plug you at for at the start I don't mind uh. if you don't plug that surprisingly <laughs> okay um but you are your coys, really, aren't you? Do you? For like official purposes, do you have to be like? Well, put it put it this way: like they have to pay him to write about Chelsea. He used to write about Tottenham for free. Hey, yeah, 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 that's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah, we'll stick to that. Okay. All right. Um, right. So Brian Slover at under well at the Brian's under- lover. Yeah. <laughs> We've had him on before, actually, haven't we? Yeah, because it always reminds me his, his name sounds like Brian's lover. It is, isn't it? <laughs> um, what type of striker do we want as a Kane backup? A similar mould to him, or do we want variety? I, 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 actually, I'll leave it on to you guys, because I, I, I'd be interested to know what you think. Anyone but a Berahino is what it'll do for me. So if we end up with Berahino, I'm not going to be amused. Yeah, he's, I can't believe like the, story, like the, the knowledge of Berahino's lack of professionalism and general shitty attitude is like isn't I don't even care like, about that it's just because he's not very good <laughs> I mean he's okay he's not awful but I mean like 
people want him for Man I, I know people who want Man United to sign him. And I'm like, what are, they, what are you talking about? Like, how can Man United possibly be... Like, what do they need a, a guy who doesn't turn up for training on time and turns up late for matches and doesn't give a shit? Poundland like, Marshall. Gets lamped by his own teammates and then the teammates defend the guy who punched him in the face. It's like, do you want that guy? <laughs> Would you, you I mean... Beaten up by his teammates because he's, he's such a cunt. In know. terms, in terms of the like the on-pitch ability stuff, if you if you leave, the, I mean, I don't want to leave the politics out because I think like what we do have this unit, the team, like hive at the moment is a it's a finely tuned thing, and obviously like Pochettino, I mean, you can speculate all you like, but I think it's it's fairly safe to say that Nabil Bentaleb, for example, probably hasn't been towing the line lately, hence why he's not getting in the team, um, mm-hmm. and, and so Pochettino's not going to. And he'd suffer any of that kind of thing. He just won't. He, he, you know, he'd sooner let Adebayo go out and just not play ever again, as a, you know, if the club weren't going to release him. Um, but that side, I mean, like, it's, it's not even that that part of your argument. Thinks like, well, if if Mitchell and Pochettino want Berahino enough, though, they must see something there that they can mould at least into a there is a, a decent maybe, player. It's the price that concerns me because yeah. it's a. Uh, it, it escalated to somewhere around a twenty-five million pound bid yeah, yeah. previously, and um, it just doesn't sort of sit right. I mean, I, I do have, um, I do have belief in in the judgment of, of Pochettino and Mitchell because we've no reason not to. But we've seen sort of more more success in promoting and and things like that rather than new signings. We've sort of had his hands burnt there, so for us to be slightly. Um, sort of uh, sceptical of somebody coming in at that sort of price um, I don't think he's unreasonable I don't think no. the price is going to be nowhere near that anymore I just well, while you were having that conversation I googled him and the contract is his contract only runs for another 18 months so they won't ask for anything stupid it'll come the price will come very quickly down when they realise there's a good chance they're going to lose him for free if they don't sell him for money now because so I, I think, I, I think he, he might be going at a, a decent price because, I mean, for the point I raised just a second ago, Raj, because, you know, like in, in summer, I was very much Team Berahino, get him in at any cost kind of thing. Um, but actually, I, I've changed my opinion now for you know, what you've been talking about, Robin, that he's shown himself to be a tosser. You know, even, even yeah. Luka Modric, when he wanted out at Spurs and we flat out refused to sell him to Chelsea... He showed a, a decent attitude. Thought, well, fuck it, you know, I'm here. These guys are paying me, and at the end of the day, this only reflects badly on me. So he yeah. plays his off. And apart from that one game, he didn't play because he said his head yeah. wasn't right. But it, uh, I guess he faced up to it, though, didn't he? he didn't. Yeah, I saw Berahino. Like, I mean, I think it was over a year before the transfer request and the fallout in this this summer. He'd already been fined at least four times for being late. And like had loads of trouble with his teammates who just weren't interested in his attitude at all. Like, we're just you're a disgrace, like an awful professional. And like that's before all the contract shit and the transfer that last summer and that I'm not playing ever again stuff. Like, just he's not worth that. Just stay. He's not so good that you can put up with that. Like Modric and Bale, Berbatov and that kicking up fusses. You can kind of accept that because they're to some degree close to genius level. Like Berahino is nowhere near that. He's just a mm adequate option like you don't you don't go to all that trouble for an adequate option like no there's 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 got to be better available um going back to like the original point do you want a similar type to Kane or do you want variety I don't even know what to an extent what that means because Kane is such such an all-rounder 
like, I don't know, he is a target man, but he also is, like, a deep liar, and he is someone who pulls wide, but he's also good in the box. Like, he's he's such, he's good at everything. Um, so maybe the question means do you want someone else who's good at everything, to which the answer is obviously yes. Um, in terms of what? Like, what type of player do you want, I've seen... I think I can't remember where I read this today, but someone said, um, "Is Shane Long to Tottenham's too obvious to happen?" And I can kind of see that because Long's. I mean, he's not. not I think Liverpool player. have just had a, a bid for him rejected. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think maybe that was what prompted it then. But yeah, someone said, "Is is Long to to Tottenham so obvious that it can't happen?" Because he is. I mean, to some extent, an all-rounder. He's not great, and he's not a great finisher or anything, but he is such a tireless worker and a team player and a great like, great player to have in a pressing machine. And obviously, there's no better organiser of a press in the Premier League than Pochettino. So if you're going to get a pressing striker to play in a pressing system, then Shane Long's up there with the best. It's just when you give him the ball, it all kind of goes to shit. Which I think is somebody like Shane Long gives me more faith in our recruitment process than somebody like yeah, Berahino exactly, does because exactly. Berahino's a bit more of a because he's so much of a flavour of the month mm. player it almost feels like a signing that you know we were talking about the weird transfer business at Liverpool it almost feels like a signing they would make because it it sort of it, it can pass under the banner of Marquis signing because he's he's young and English and he's popular at the moment and whatnot and he, he's become a household name where somebody like Shane Long who's a bit more unfashionable and you know he's he's much more functionable and, and functional as a player um, I mean to say um, sort of makes more sense because you you expect Tottenham with the coach we have and the sort of setup we have to be almost buying players who are more malleable. Yeah. So if they've got a little less about them, but that means that you can almost polish a turd a bit, mm-hmm. that makes more sense than buying someone yeah. who sort of comes with a bit of a reputation and would almost feel as if they've they've come as a player who who who's sort of well formed and, and ready to play as they are and um I think that that's the type of signing that I mean we we're we're linked quite a lot to like sort of almost Clinton and G type signings um from France. There's a there's a lad from Toulouse I think we've been linked to recently, Ben Yedder, mm. who, you know, you only know by name. You, you you know, if you've ever seen him play you you won't have remembered it, yeah. that type, that type of player. And that gives you a bit more faith because you sort of go, I don't know what he's about and you imagine that Pochettino knows that too and he'll have seen him and thought, you know what, we've there's the bare materials there for us to work yeah. with and you almost want that that type of a signing rather than sort of a, a ready made um, ready-made what player. About, um, if you get what I mean. You were just talking about. about... Go on, Rob. I was going to say uh, to answer the guy's question: Do you want variety? I think the answer to that part of the question is definitely no. I'd rather ha- make Plan A stronger and more. Um, well, don't, don't deviate from it. It's a good Plan A. Like, there's no point in doing doing what Liverpool have done twice and say like. We've got a really good plan A. We'll, we'll buy a player who can play another way. Then they bought Carroll for big money, and then they've bought Benteke for big money, and what they've done both times is buy a player who can't play for them, <laughs> or who doesn't play his, play to his best, because they've, they've gone, well, yeah, we'll, we'll diversify our approach. We'll make our, we'll make our attack more well-rounded, and then you end up blunting it. So, like, I wouldn't be going out of Tottenham's way to get a good target man or to get a poacher or to something like that. I would be sticking as closely to 
just just get another Harry Kane, or you know someone who's close, someone who's got some of the strengths that Harry Kane has got. Get an all rounder in the mould of him, if he's even if he's not as good. So I mean, I, I I didn't mind Benteke, but I'm fucking glad we didn't spend anything close to the sort of money that Liverpool did on him. Yeah. So you, Apparently Liverpool have offered him to Tottenham, according to reports. He seems like a twat. Uh, like I'm not not fond of him. To be I don't. Honest. I just don't understand the whole hype around him at all. Like he's just a big guy. I see it. Like there's nothing else to him. He hasn't got great technical ability, great movement, great link up. He's just a really big guy. I mean, he scored a lot of goals for a really direct Aston Villa team, but. I don't know if if Victor Anichebe starts scoring goals for West Brom, or if Salomon Rondon does it, or you know, if some big unit starts scoring loads of goals, does that suddenly make him a thirty million pound player? I don't think so. I mean, if I was I just, a top player, he's he's never struck me. I think like one of the most important things for for our side and just I guess for our team in general is that we need to have players that are going to work hard. And Benteke's yeah. never struck me as that type of footballer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's not something that he does well. Uh, I think he's quite mentally fragile as well from what I've seen because he'll go like months on end without scoring yeah. like he'll miss a few chances and his confidence seems to be completely shot um, which you know is, is a concerning thing for a striker just because they need to sort of they need to almost have a level of arrogance and bravado about them to carry on shooting yeah. I mean if you watch Harry Kane play now he's, he may not be scoring as regularly and sort of making as many headlines as he did last year when sort of he came from nowhere but he still I mean the amount of shots he had that were testing the keeper on he the weekend were plentiful he was really good he played really yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. He was pinging him in yeah. from everywhere. I mean, if Pickford didn't have a good game, then he would have conceded many more than he did. I mean, if, if you know, somebody like Boric was in goal or, you know, uh, something like that, then they would have probably, you know, been a sieve to what he was doing. But Pickford actually had a bit of a, a decent game, yeah, to be fair the, to him. So I think it was a, it's a bad statistical point, but the logic is actually quite, or like the, the takeaway option is actually quite good. Kane mentioned that, I think it was Kane, said that Defoe told him in training like if you've missed um like if you look at people's averages they tend to score roughly the same amount like at the average amount of goals per shots they take so if you miss that means the next goal you score is like is more likely with the next shot i don't know if that makes sense or if i've explained it well but basically it gave kane the confidence it's essentially you you, you don't win the lottery without buying a yeah, ticket yeah, what yeah. you're saying isn't i mean it? like there's, there's more there's slightly more to it than that but yeah it's given kane the confidence to think like if he misses oh, that just means that the next one's more likely to go in, so I'll keep shooting. And, like, Kane has got a hell of a lot of shots. Like, I mean, one of the things that I... I mean, I think... Who did England play away and they drew? Or, like, they won late or something. I think it was, like, a... Was it the last qualifying game, campaign, uh, game that was just, like, a formality and they had to win? And Kane played, but he didn't score, but he did everything else. Like, he had, like, six shots or something. It was Lithuania or something like that. I watched that game with someone who said like they weren't impressed with Kane because he had so many shots and kept missing. And I said, well, I'm really impressed with him because like, it's England and like loads of people go and play like they don't give a shit or they're, they're, they're terrified when they put an England shirt on. And if they miss their first shot or the, you know if they, if they make a mistake, they hide. Um, but Kane didn't. Like He just kept taking the ball and kept take, shooting and kept getting it on target and kept making getting saves and it's like if you keep doing that you will score if you if you keep getting the ball in good positions and taking good shots you will eventually score um and he didn't but i mean obviously he does for tottenham like he 
and he he would have done that night, but for some ridiculous goalkeeping from whoever Lithuania's goalkeeper is, um, who then promptly dropped one of Oxley Chamberlain's shots underneath him or something and gave away a stupid goal. Um, but yeah, I think it was Defoe who said to Kane that that little tip of information which Kane said gave him confidence and is something he thinks of during most games. I remember when Jermaine Defoe um, came out and said that the best finisher at the club was Harry Kane, and this was back when everyone thought that Harry Kane was a bit of a joke. So everyone sort of laughed it off as him sort of just naming a, a youth team striker, and, you know, he's, he's probably right it's, at the time. It's what Dawson said, didn't he, that it, it came as no surprise that Kane came good, because back in the day it would always be like, you know, when the under-21s finished training, straight away all the first team lads would be like, how many did you score today, Harry? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, we probably, you know, I know we wax lyrical about Kane all the time, but it's still, I, I was talking to like a pal of mine who supports Liverpool just the other day, um, and it's still just such a surprise to, 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 to honestly, to just see this player that, you know, even when he was doing quite well last season, in my, you know, in the back of my mind, there was that kind of niggling concern that, you know, but this isn't really going to last. We'll enjoy it while we can. It's quite fun to have this young lad doing this and, so on and so forth, but just constantly, his ceiling just seems to grow. Like he's he's yeah, so yeah. fucking good. Like he's so really? good. If I'm trying to think of a weakness in his game, I can't. Like there's just there's not nothing jumps out. Like we we, we were speaking about Berahino or Shane Long or any of the strikers that we've mentioned. They have obvious weaknesses, whether it's productivity or a facet of their game, like Benteke talking about obvious holes. Like there's just nothing there with Kane there's no reason other than maybe a, you know, the reason that Real Madrid or someone hasn't come and dumped a stupid amount of money on Spurs already is lack of experience and the the niggling feeling that this is all going to stop soon but it, the, every week you realise it's just not it's, he is the real deal and he is as complete a number 9 or a, a complete a forward as there is Like maybe he might not be the best and he might not ever be the best, but he is certainly like in terms of having like a really, really well rounded game, like he is really complete. I don't see any 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 obvious weakness there. The English Lewandowski. <laughs> yeah, well um... that's actually a valid comparison. It would have seemed stupid this like even this time last year when it was sort of he was scoring the winner against Arsenal more or less this time last year, right? And it would have mm. seemed stupid. But now it is kind of true. Like he is the English Lewandowski. He's, oh, I don't know, he's exceptional. I love him. Yeah. Um, let's. Nikhil Saglani asks us uh, at Nikhil underscore Saglani, would you be against signing a defensive midfielder and pushing Dyer back to centre back? Um, I don't really see the need at the moment. Like our, our centre back pairings, the best in the league. Yeah, I, I, my fear with Eric Dyer, and I wrote about this at the start of the season when he just became a defensive midfielder, is you don't want him to become a, a jack-of-all-trades and master mm. of none. You sort of want him to nail down his position now in his early 20s. I mean, he's only 22, so he's got plenty of time under his belt, but this is when sort of he's going to be most sponge-like in sort of learning his position in this trade, as they say. And I don't want him to be pushed from pillar to post and, and sort of suffer because of that, I don't want him to have to have a, a sort of a, a late f- flourish like Dembele. I want him to be able to sort of, you know, learn and stick to something. Draw a um, you might not like. Uh, talking about, I was watching the Arsenal game with the mate of the weekend, and Oxlade-Chamberlain just hasn't kicked on as a player in the last few years at all, has he? 
Um, and like you're saying, the problem is he's played in a number of roles and not mastered any of them. And now when you see Oxlade's Chamberlain's name on the sheet, you don't know what he is. Like, he was a winger, and then he was supposed to be a centre-mid, and then he was, like, all-action midfielder, and then he was back mm. out on the wing. I was like, well, what is he? What You know, it's been, what, three or four years, at least, since Arsenal have signed him, and he just hasn't done anything because he doesn't know what he is. And, like, you can't let that happen with someone like Dyer, who, obviously, in the same way as Dembele, is so much better when he just knows what his job is and knows what he's supposed to do and what he's not supposed to do. Like, you don't want... Uh, disrupted rhythm or you know, a few games here a few games there we'll fit, put him in at right back one week and then defensive mid the next and then centre back like you know just play him in one position and make it his own yeah because he had a disjointed season last year because the squad was short and we didn't have cover at right back so he had to sort of trade in his time at right back to, uh, uh, sorry um, trade in his time at centre back to play at right back and even though he did well there he, he didn't perhaps progress in the way we wanted yeah, he's, him he's to because right he back, was... Not a system at least, does he really? No, but he, he sort of, he had to fill in there and he wasn't given sort of the justice he needed to in, in his own development because yeah. of that. And It was almost like he was, you know, sacrificed for the, the good of the team and I'd rather he just sort of nailed down a position now and was able to properly knuckle down and, and, and think about it, bringing someone else in. Um, you know, it depends on sort of. We've got players there. We've got Mason and Bentaleb who who aren't in the squad at the moment who can deputise there, and Tom Carroll who's doing really well and has kicked on a lot more than perhaps we'd expected him to. Um, so there's plenty of cover there. There's plenty of people who can do a, a sort of a a passing impression. Um, so I'm not sure if we if we desperately need to bring in someone. There's definitely higher priorities. Um, so it's um, it's. I wouldn't want to dislodge him at all because I think he's doing very well, um, and it's sort of one of those luxuries, isn't it, of, of the squad we have at the moment? Is that apart from a striker, we're, we're not in desperate need for for anything. Um, so it's sort of it's picking and choosing the parts that you want to to really upgrade and sort of not as a necessity, but sort of um, as just a, a want rather than a need. Yeah, I agree with that. I've just got a caveat as well. Nick did have a, a second tweet on the end where he's just said, uh, or of course, would you rather we bought another centre-back to join Wimmer um, at centre-back? The latter perhaps easier as we'd want Dyer to slot back in eventually. That's just so you know I'm not uh, I'm misrepresenting you, Nick. Um, yeah, we probably do need another. Once Fazio goes, we probably need somebody to, to come in. We'll probably buy Kolka back. <laughs> yeah, stick him up front. Yeah, yeah, that can be our second striker. Yeah. It's going to bring back the the sort of Dion Dublin, Chris Sutton striker slash centre back thing. Stephen Colker is going to bring it back all by himself. We had um, Gary Dockett that did that oh as well. Oh my also. god, I'm going to have nightmares about that. Your Fuck dad. It's <laughs> 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 He scored a hat trick at Sunderland, a pretty dramatic hat trick at that. Um, when we were two 0 down, I think he scored one in like. 10 minutes or something at one point. Oh, sorry, I was trying not to burp then as I was talking. Um, <laughs> Neil Bull, at Neil Bull 04, asks, could you see Deli Ali utilised as a temporary striker should we fail to find a suitable backup? Not, well, not really, but only in the way that we've kind of said that our front four is pretty fluid, but I don't think Ali would be suited to that. His son, uh, surely, is, uh, if, we, if, yeah. if we don't get anyone, is... 
Yeah, I can sort of see why he's asking, but it doesn't hold true, does it? It's like if Chelsea had played Frank Lampard up front. Like, it just doesn't make sense. The, the point is, he arrives in that space and scores because there's nobody in it. Like, if he mm. was in it, he wouldn't be able to arrive in it. Like, that, that's the long and short of it. To me, he's a player that's just so fucking brilliant. I just want him to be able to play where he wants to play best. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Obviously, obviously, you can't rule the roost. No pun intended. Um, over the team because it's, it's Pochettino's call at the end of the day. But Ali's, oh no, he's, I, I go on about him every week, but I think he's fucking amazing. Yep. Um, I don't want him to get unhappy. <laughs> um, let's have a look. Trying to find perhaps one last question. So we've got a few different ones. What's a decent one? Uh, uh, mm, all right, go on, let's do this one. Tom Lee. At Tom O Lee123. Guardiola or Pochettino? Well, let, go on, you answer that one first, Rob, actually, because we know you don't really have a dog in the fight. What? I'm I'm sorry. What's the question? Guardiola or Pochettino? Yeah, Guardiola or Pochettino. I, I'm assuming. In, in which Spurs. context? Like to manage Spurs? Spurs? Yeah. Uh, probably still say Guardiola. Like, what's the reason not to? Like, it'd be amazing. <laughs> he is amazing. I mean, maybe he's he might get pissed off with actually having better teams than his in the division for once. But um, yeah, you I mean you'd have to. You'd have to take Guardiola. It's like. I don't know. You, you, everyone loves Harry Kane, but if Messi comes up and Messi wants to play for Tottenham, you get Messi. Like, it's that simple. That 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 just be a horrible thing to have to to do, though. Nonetheless, I mean, yeah, it, still, it, would just... of, it, it would be kind of unenjoyable in in the long term because you'd you'd know that you'd lost something that was actually quite important. But at the same time, it's Messi. Messi, yeah, yeah, true. Um. I'd, I'd keep Pochettino, mate, I'm going to be honest. Just because I'm a bleary-eyed... I mean, yeah, that's the, the, probably the more practical option because Guardiola would be there for like five minutes and then he might piss off. So, yeah. I mean, you, you know what you're going to get with him. He's going to be there for five minutes, doing a good job and then go. But oh, Actually, I've, I've wasted this last question because, Raj, I, I meant to ask you, because we've had one from uh, East Spurs, Norway who asked for for our thoughts on Dembele, the Fulham striker who he'd been linked to. And didn't you said you'd seen him play earlier on in the week or something, didn't you? Yeah, he came on as a sub when uh, Town had Fulham this weekend and drew one all. Um, so he came on as a sub for one of their forwards um, and he didn't do much at all. But to be honest, there's not a lot of strikers that have been doing a lot against Town recently because... Um, the defence has been so much better since since Wagner's come in that no team has really uh, has has been able to sort of get a rhythm going against us, uh, which is good. Um, Town, by the way, Rob, if you if you want to see an, an example of where Championship football could be heading, you want to watch Little Huddersfield Town with their uh, with Klopp's little... or something. Yeah, he, he's genuinely he might be better than Klopp. He's <laughs> he's brilliant. He, um, I, oh. Within about a week and a half of arriving at the club, Huddersfield were, you know, your bang average, below average championship club that had no identity whatsoever. Played four four two with sort yeah, of a, yeah. 
an almost a big man, small man with midfielders who just ran around a lot and you know two of the most basic wingers with a couple of lumps at centre back and very functional full backs and uh, within a week and a half of arriving at the club he'd put them in a in sort of a 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3. He chucked out half the players and brought in some youth teamers. Um, they held the ball. They played Middlesbrough, who were far and away the best team in the Championship. They completely played him off the park within a week and a half of him arriving. Yeah. Uh, the best football I'd, I'd seen there. They lost 2-0, but that's, Middlesbrough had two shots on goal and scored from both of them. So it's pretty much a smash and grab from a team that had you know, so many more resources and, and things like that. And it was a, an earlier game, but... Apart from that, if you'd have, if you'd sort of watched it and not been shown the scoreline, and just been shown highlights of it, you'd have thought that Town would have won by you know four or five. They were that yeah. much better than them, yeah. and they've routinely done that since they've they've been playing teams off the park with so much better football. There's an identity there. There's you know they press relentlessly. Players that previously looked brainless and appeared to have nothing about them. I mean, Jonathan Hogg was sort of like the most low budget defensive midfielder you could have like he'd arrive 10 minutes late into every challenge and yeah. and you know do terrible passes and he suddenly reads the game better than I'd ever imagined him to you know Naki Wells has got a brain as a striker he's closing people down and finding room for himself and it's um it's remarkable to see I mean when you see a team like Tottenham with sort of the resources we have and and the promise that's been at the club for for quite some time now for them to improve and to actually get better it's it's a surprise when somebody like Pochettino does well and it's welcome but it's not it's not a shock but when you see the difference between a sort of a team just put out to play and then watch a team actually be coached and managed at that much of a basement level it really opens your eyes to it and I'm not sure Wagner's going to be at the club for much longer because there'll probably be bigger teams who will love taking notice with the work he's been doing because it's been exceptional but um, for the time being I think they're only three points off the uh, the top half of the championship now which means the way that league works is if they if they carry on playing like they are with sort of I think they're far unbeaten at the moment they could <laughs> I don't want to touch wood here because it may sound silly but if they carry on in the fashion they are and keep improving they could make a late playoff push mm-hmm. which the players have started talking about and um, previously they looked like they'd have just been sort of scrapping for three or four wins across the season and and trying to stay in the league on uh-huh. you know the skin of the teeth and it's um. I've really looked out with with buying my season ticket because it could have just been a a really boring average season where I saw terrible football every week. But now I'm there's this footballing experiment that's being played out in front of me every week, and it's such a joy to watch because you sort of I'm excited to go and see. Oh, all right, what have they learnt this week? What have they been training yeah. this week? What's gonna what you know? What changes it's are gonna happen? You're talking this way, Raj, because like you say, at the start of the season, you're like. It's just something to do with my mates. Like, it's a bit of a laugh. And now, it, it, like, I've seen it kind of unfold. I just feel they're doing pretty well. But it's not It's not an emotional yeah, thing. Like, I don't actually care in how they do because I'm, I, I, I do have a soft spot for them given that they're sort of yeah. my hometown club, but they're not who I support. I mean... I'd, I'd really enjoy us to, to sort of us as in Tottenham get drawn away because it'd be nice to see us playing my hometown and sort of, you know, at the John Smiths because it'd just be a bit surreal. But 
um, in terms of just actually watching that level of football happen, especially in a league like the Championship, which is has got a bit of a... Depending on who you ask about the Championship, it's either the best league in the world or an absolute abomination. And the, the, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle of that because you know, the, the amount of games that they play is, isn't conducive to you know, playing the best football in the world just because 42 games a season is, is a tad excessive with all the cup games and everything thrown in. Uh, you know, 24, 24 teams in the division. It's 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 more about momentum than anything else. But you, you get these odd teams like Bournemouth last season where coaching wins the day and that's happening more and more often, especially with uh, Clement at Derby and Karanka at Birra. And if other teams twig on and sort of go, you know what, maybe we don't hire Steve Bruce anymore. And we, we hire sort of a, a coach from, yeah, yeah. You know, we take a gamble on the guy who's been coaching the Dortmund kids because he's actually got an idea of what he's doing. We may be able to be playing some better football than Huddersfield Town, a, a team who, we, they, you know, they're sort of propped up on loan signings and everything. There's no great amount of money there. The guy who owns them sort of made his millions um, in the card factory, I think, or that shop um, is sort of his business. And. Um, it's just a good local team, and they're they're one of the most sort of exciting subplots in English football at the moment, just because this weird footballing experiment is being played out there, and uh, it's really exciting to go and watch. So you should be uh, should pay more attention to them because they um, if they carry on the way they are, it could it could turn out to be a proper story um, if they they carry on like this, which is uh, which is exciting. I went to watch, I went to watch Cambridge United. Sort of. Oh, go on. Uh, no, I was just agreeing with Jack this season at Brentford, sort of, yeah. yeah. I went to watch Cambridge United recently for the first time in a very long time. I used to go every week when I was growing up. and Before you became a turncoat. Yeah, <laughs> before, I, before I became a deserter. Um, and they were, well, before I became coys. Um, they, were, <laughs> they were obviously fucking shit. And they got relegated twice in three years, having fought a relegation battle in the middle. Um, and my, my abiding memories are just of the football being awful and like just no discernible plan from either team at any point. So I went back recently. I took my cousin's kid to his first ever game because he loves football, but his parents aren't interested. So someone has to take him. And uh, I was amazed. Like, it's still not great. Obviously, it's League Two football, so the level isn't amazing. But the, within 10 minutes, once I'd got past the fucking hell, no one can pass to each other this really hurts my eyes moment. Like, there was a tactical intrigue that developed, and, like, it was... Cambridge's manager is now Sean Derry, so we're not talking, like, the greatest mind in the world here. We're talking, like, seasoned football league veteran. And Barnett, who were their opposition's manager, is Martin Allen. He's obviously been down at that level for years and years and years, and knows exactly what he's doing. And for the first, sort of, 70 minutes, the, the narrative of the game was Barnett... Uh, they just sucked Cambridge in and played played through them over and over and over and over and over again, like winning the second ball and knowing what to do with it. And like, obviously that's not great. No, you can't really do that at the top level, but for the level, I was like, Jesus Christ, like this is a massive uh, change in the last few years has, has obviously happened because they are playing tactics and they have obviously worked on this on the training ground and everyone has their movement down to a T. They all know what they're doing. So, like, talking about Wagner having this success at Huddersfield and bringing a new form of football that you haven't seen before, sort of a, a, sort of a different slant, like, 
something is happening in England. Like this, this constant Steve Bruceification of football in the football league just can't. It isn't going to happen. It is changing. I think that's really good. The long-term effect of that can't possibly be bad. No, there's been an awakening. Yeah, there definitely has. It's only 20 years too late, isn't it? But, you know, <laughs> better late than never. Yeah. And I don't think... I think it's probably... The funny thing about it is that it's it's not on purpose either. It's probably accidental. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. I mean, Liverpool must be kicking themselves because if they had Wagner as their assistant, they'd probably be doing better by now. Oh, it's all him, is it? Klopp's just the uh, yeah. Klopp's the face of the opposition. I think we've worked it out to be honest, but I think he was doing all the. Klopp was just the media man. Right, okay. He was the guy. He was the funny <laughs> celebrations on the touchline and won everybody over. Yeah. Whereas you know, because he was with him at Mainz and yeah, everything. Yeah. I mean, there's that when he uh, got the Huddersfield job, there was the, the quote that was uh, did the rounds was uh, Wagner once said when asked, um, he said, um, "I think I've spent more nights with Klopp than I have with my own yeah, wife." Um, but they're obviously really close and um, I think it says a lot about the man that he's been given an opportunity at sort of Liverpool and um, he turned it down to take over at Huddersfield Town probably says a lot about his ambition and it's probably even, you know, if he'd done badly in the job it would have probably been a, a better experience for him than being a number two elsewhere yeah. Hadn't a similar thing happened with AVB and Mourinho as well, didn't he? AVB kind of at, at one point just said like he wasn't going to be Mourinho's kind of you know, lackey anymore and went his own way. Was it into yeah, Milan, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, famously, they had a bust up. Yeah. So you can kind of see that, I guess, really, can't you? Pretty, two pretty egotistical guys. But but Mourinho has got, there's plenty of managers who've who've sort of learnt under mm. Mourinho and sort of had that Brendan. time with him. I mean, Karanka's, yeah, Brendan Rodgers and Karanka's probably the best example at, at mm. Borough who have, um, really, who've had that time with him. Yeah, Karanko was number two at Madrid Jesus. before before Clement was he? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, so. Karanko did all the and, press um, conferences and the management ship when Mourinho got one of his many bands. Hmm. So yeah, Karanko went to Borough and it's sort of brilliant that, season, aren't they as well? Mm, they're not great. I mean, they're 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 a fairly functional team. I imagine they'll probably go straight back down if they really? came up. Um, well, depending on the sort of the investment, because if they buy as if they buy as sort of savvily as your Watfords and your Bournemouths are starting to, then maybe they they'll have a better crack at it than they currently are. But they've the squad they've got at the minute probably wouldn't you know cut the grid. But you know this is probably the first time we've ever spoken about the championship properly on on the podcast. It's exciting. Yeah. Moving on. Well, moving yeah. on to the end, I guess now because. For an hour and a half, should we kill it there, Raj, do you reckon? Yeah, can yeah. do. All right, then. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Rob. Um, Thanks very much for having me. Pleasure as always. Well, as long as you're back in the UK, maybe we'll get you on again at yeah. some point soon. Yeah. Cool. It's always, always good to have you back. You seem to have a better mic nowadays, so I can't use my old gags against yeah. you. Yeah, I ain't, I ain't got oh, the anymore. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I just I use the Skype app on my phone. You phone me on my... Yeah. It's oh, much easier than getting a mic. Yeah, I guess it is actually. It's, it's it's often come out a bit shite when we've tried that in the past, but you seem to. Ah, do... uh, right. Yeah, I just do. Yeah. That's usually because it's um it's half time at Huddersfield, and I've just sort of um, fancy passing fifteen minutes. Well, you can you can hear previous examples of that by listening to the Royal the Risk back catalog <laughs> on iTunes or on. We've sold it. Um, sorry, what was that, mate? I said we sold it really yeah, well, don't we? See, see, it's, it's, all, it's all scripted. We, we joked about this last week. 
which is something else you can listen to. Well, week before last. Fuck it. Stop talking. Um, listen to us on iTunes. You can go to rtrpod.com and hear all the previous episodes as well through the ACAST web player. Uh, follow us on Twitter at rtr underscore pod. Follow Rob as well at robbro7, I believe it is, isn't it, Rob? It is, yeah. Just a disclaimer for any new followers. I will say something stupid and piss you off within at least two days. And that's part of the that's part of the pleasure. Um, yes. So yeah, come on you Spurs. Yes, come on you Spurs, definitely. <laughs>